0: I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. That It's not such a matter of putting forward a lot of effort. It's a matter of staying consistent with God. And that's the key to anything that you do, is staying consistent with God. I can't... I can't make things happen. I cannot get myself across the the Jordan River by my own strength. I can't get in and acclaim the promises of God on my own strength. I can't stand and will it to happen. I can't stand and wish it to happen. I can't stand and and stomp my feet and say, why isn't it happening? I have got to trust God to get me there and recognize the open doors and the ways to get there. That's what we where we make our mistakes. God opens the door. And we simply do not pass through that door. In this case, it's a matter of, uh, you know, God has got the... Maybe the river's running at flood right now, but do we trust God that we can get right in the middle of it and get across? And that's how we have to live. And so tonight, tonight, I just want to talk a little bit about revival. That was a group of American Indians uh, that gathered together for uh, to pray, and they wanted revival. They wanted, They wanted a change. They wanted revival. And after several weeks, a stranger asked the chief, he said, have you had a revival? And the chief said, big wind, he answered, much dust, but no rain. Now that's a lot like the churches of our day. We get big winds, a little bit of dust, but we don't get the rain. And, you know, we've had promises. We've had preachers here. We've had people that say we're going to have it. Just recently that's happened. That doesn't mean just simply because it doesn't happen within a week or doesn't happen within a month. That does not mean that it's not going to happen. You know, the thing is that we get a we get a big wind and we get a, a little bit of dust stirred up and we think that's it and that the rain doesn't fall, so we just quit because that is the devil's business to get something or get us to think it's happening right then and it doesn't. We get discouraged and we quit praying we get discouraged and we quit we we quit preaching we get discouraged and we quit hoping we get discouraged and we quit fasting but you see god is not one of those that's going to let us down on his promises if god said he will do it he will do it it'll be in a time that god wants to do it and we as a church have got to expect it we got to worship for it we got to believe it and we got to know that god is going to do it i'll give him a hand What is revival? It's not edification. Churches must grow. Churches must grow. Churches must grow. When you say growth, and I, I'm sorry, you know anybody that's that's moved here from another church, Lord bless you. And, I, and I, not that I don't appreciate you, but everybody's here should know that what growth is is new people, unsaved people. You can have a church, this side could completely fill up tomorrow with people from a church. I do not count that as revival. The middle part could fill up along with that. The other part could fill up. I do not count that as revival. Revival is brand new people being saved and all the headache that goes along with getting new people saved and dealing with them and teaching them. That's the part we need to love. That's the part we need to love. We need to want that more than anything else. To see someone that comes in out of sin and comes into the light of Jesus Christ and has an understanding and begins to live right and to live holy and believe God for everything that He has said He would do. That's what we want to see. I'd rather have one person come in and have that happen than to have a dozen people that already know the truth. Why? Because that is revival. That is revival. And if churches don't grow in grace, they grovel in disgrace. When growth ceases, disintegration commences. And many churches don't grow, glow, or nor do they go. You hearing me? They don't grow, they don't glow or go. You give me all of them. We need to go, we need to glow, and we need to grow. We need to have it all. Because McCormick's Creek Church is not a church that's going to sit by and let everybody go to hell around them just because we get tired and we go weary of it. We're going to push, we're going to pray, we're going to believe, and we're going to plant the seed that needs to be planted. God, come on. Praise God. Churches like that remind me of a toy car. The boy received his birthday gift. He, he really got a big kick in winding it up and watching it go. One day after winding it up, he didn't go. Uh, it didn't go, so he came running to his father. He cried, Dad, he said, the go's broke. The go's broke. We don't want the go to be broke. We don't want the go to be broke. <laughs> and it shouldn't be in this church. So what is revival? It's not evangelism. Revival and evangelism aren't synonymous. Last week a man was pulled out of a pond. I just read this in, in, in this county. Maybe it's been a little longer than a week, some, maybe a month ago. He'd been missing for, for days, and when they pulled him out of the water and they saw that he was dead, they didn't revive him. They buried him. But when there's life, however faint, they work fervently to revive him. Everyone, everywhere is by nature dead in trespasses and sins. Every one of us needs regeneration. But after regeneration comes, listen to me, reviving. When we are revived, there will be the edifying and the evangelizing. That's what has, how it follows up. When we are revived, we've been revived. We revived here a few months ago. We had just got a little bit complacent in what we're doing. We got busy. We had distractions. I told my wife after she he broke, her, broke her wrist, I said, I, I, I don't know. I said, this is, I said this morning. I said this Sunday morning. Then one thing after the other, I said, people have been hurt, you know, they're, uh, you know the, just financial problems. I said here about three or four months ago, we went through all this, you know, God was blessing everybody, but the people were giving. They knew what to do for the time. And, you know, after a while, we just kind of sit back and say, we've got it. We've arrived. We've managed to bring all that money in. We're in good shape. But you see, that's not quite we don't stop there we don't stop there because I don't want to stop the blessings from God flowing into my life I don't want to stop the blessings of God flowing into this church I don't quit giving, I don't quit praying, I don't quit fasting just because I've arrived at a certain place. I keep going until we see the revival break out that God has promised us. We keep doing it because God said, that's what I want you to do. What moves God? What moves God is prayer. What moves God is fasting. What moves God is dedication to Him. Oh, we don't understand it. You're not there. You're not with me. You're in the wrong place. Call Baptist Church. I'm going to go down and preach there. I'll get more <clears throat> results. This is Wednesday, Brother Roberts. Don't you know I'm tired. I got up at 6 a.m. this morning. Oh, God bless you. I haven't slept in three or four nights. That's the reason I'm the way I am right now. I've been on a, a watching. That's what watching means. Watch and fast and pray. That means you don't sleep. You fast and you pray. So I've been watching. Well, you've been watching. I've been watching my wife groan with all that pain that she's having, and I stay up all night and pray for her. That's exactly the truth. And you know what? God answers that prayer. And He answers it, and then she goes and does something, messes it up again, I have to do it all over again. <laughs> what is revival? It's the working of the Lord. It's written in Isaiah 57, 15. Thus saith the High and the Lofty One, who inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy. I will dwell to revive. A revival is the work of God, not the assembly. It's the product of God, not man. Revival is the reviver in action. Are you with me? What is revival? It's the working of the Lord in the hearts of his children. Going back to Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen, we read, I dwell with him to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Uh, Charles Finney the great revivalist attended a church and sang in the choir before he had been born again. One night at prayer meeting, a member asked, would you like for us to pray for you? And he answered. Let's read this in his book. He said, no, he answered. Why not? Because he said, it would do no good. I have been with you for many months. You have prayed for a revival, and it's never come. That's how he saw things, and that's not a bad way to be, actually. You know, there are many who pray and preach, who worship and work, but they never, ever, ever get where they need to be with God. And, you know, let, 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 me, let, me, let me phrase this. You know what I believe in being born again. We know that, that you we repent, you, you're baptized in Jesus' name, and you receive the Holy Ghost. But too many times, as soon as a person receives the Holy Ghost, they sit down on the pew and they wait for Jesus to come. They sit there and they, you know, and I want him to come more than anybody. I'd love to get out of here. But we cannot do that. The Bible says that we are to occupy until He comes. And you've heard me say this before. Occupy means that you take ground and you hold that ground. We are not, cannot allow Satan to come in and destroy a work that he's done for me. If God was good enough to save you, then God is good enough to save somebody else by your hand. How? By which? It's not the president, not the politician, not the minister or the missionary, not the church or the club. It's the Lord. The psalmist prayed, Wilt thou not revive us again? The prophet prayed, O Lord, revive thy work. Has anything, anything loathsome ever come from the Lord? Has God ever sent something on you that was bad? I think he allows some bad things occasionally to come through the devil. He just simply lets him go to, to, to test our faith. But has God ever done anything bad to you? No, He's never has, and He never will do anything bad. Will God ever take your, your place or give your place to someone else? No, God will never do that because God has a. He, he, you're a special in the eyes of the Lord. You are a precious thing, according to the to the the prophet. He said that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. You're precious. The word precious means that there is nothing that can take your place. You are precious in His sight. So when something that precious, something that valuable, something that is diamond-like, if you would, if God has given you that and you're that special, then why can't we do something for the kingdom of God to somehow give Him just a little bit back of what He's done for me? And stop worrying about the things in this world that keep bothering you and stopping you from being what you need to be. Just make a point and say, Hey, I'm going to do everything I can for the kingdom of God. I'm going to do as much As I possibly can. I know revival comes by Him, but it also comes by us. It comes by us because He uses mankind. The high priest, they carried the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was never, ever to touch the ground. The only way. The Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, touched the ground, was by the feet of the priesthood. And it's the same way today. The presence of God does not come to anybody unless it's through the feet of the priesthood. You are a chosen generation, the Bible says, about Holy Ghost-filled people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. We are a royal priesthood. And the presence of God never, the presence of God never, ever will do anything in this world unless it comes by the feet of God's people. Maybe it's because of impaired impressions or faulty fancies, or or erroneous experiences. But most people have been living in a low-grade churchianity. And they've been living that way so long that when fresh air of high-grade Christianity strikes them, it startles them. I've seen that here. I've seen people who have lived, and we'd have a a great service, a great move of God. You could tell people were fasting and they were praying and had a great move of God going on. And I've seen people who had lived in churchianity for all their life, as long as I knew them anyway. And you could see the presence of God hit them. All of a sudden, it was because somebody else prayed it down. And it hit those people. And they began to move or cry or something because high-grade presence of God had moved in. You see, you're used to that low-grade stuff. 15 per, 10% ethanol is going to go up to 15%. you have had ethanol in your gas mixture. You put that stuff in my boat motor, it'll burn it up. And when it gets up to 15%, I'm done. It won't work. And you see, we've had that low-grade stuff working through us. You're saying God is low-grade? No. I'm saying what you let in is low-grade right next to the pump of low grade is a pump of high grade when you come into the church you have an opportunity to plug into something that is high grade if you want it bad enough you see you watch everybody else get the high grade moving and you just kind of sit back but God help us to make a decision tonight that says I'm not going to let the high grade go away anymore when it hits I'm going to be a part of it when it moves hit the service I'm going to respond to it I'll give him another hand clap a <laughs> couple danced one night at a club early into the morning and finally they everything closed up and they walked to their car reeking with the smell of beer drugs, whiskey suddenly the girl wrinkled her no, nose and complained what's that smell? her date said well, that's fresh air you see you get around the smell of something bad long enough and you begin to think that's normal. You're around the nasty stuff long enough. That's the reason churches have quit worshiping. They don't know what it's like anymore to have something good. They're, they're used to smelling the bad all the time. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you get some preacher comes in there and begins to push them to worship a little bit. And they get the smell of something fresh. And guess what they do? They set on the preacher because they don't like what they smell. God, help us to like the smell of something good in this place. God, help us to like the smell of something good. We need to worship God until he comes down and begins to inhabit those praises. And those praises will only be inhabited if we've got a group of people who are willing to get out and do it. Thank God for the people that come down here in the front and praise. And if you look at them, you think they're ignorant because you're smelling something bad and you're used to it. Ooh, that's good preaching. Why don't you say it? Wednesday night, you're not supposed to say things like that. I'm sorry. I can't help it. (sighs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, they begin to think that anything that uh, uh, normal Christians, uh, (laughs) normal, what I think the Bible uh, says that that is normal Christians, are considered by most people abnormal. They, They consider that. The word good. In the old English word "for God," or for God, God is the good one. As the sun can't darken, so God can't do anything but good. This is what it means, since God is the source of revival, nothing but good can come from a revival. So when you begin to get revived, it's not going to make people that matter think that you're crazy. Because if it does, then that's good for you. That's the good thing because you begin to pull out away from everything else and you start getting the smell of something fresh and good in your nostrils and you say, I want more of that. If you really want to cross over the Jordan River and get into where it's really good, you're going to have to get a different smell in your nostrils. You're going to have to pick up something good that's coming from the other side. And you see, that's exactly what's happening. Where the promises of God are are laying right now, there's where the good stuff is coming. Let the wind change a little bit. Let you get some of that to wash into your nose, and you'll decide that you'll walk across the water to get where those promises are. How many in here tonight would really like for God to to meet a need in your life? Just raise your hand. You've got a real need. You want God to meet that need. In the name of Jesus right now, I release, hear me, I release faith over this congregation. I release faith. I release that word of faith that the good things are going to happen that robin's going to get the job that she's always wanted that roxanne is going to get the need that she has met keith is going to get what he needs and it continues on yes there's financial needs you can give your way out of that but god is going to bless you abundantly because right now you're picking up on the faith that's being released give him a hand clap of praise and adoration stand to your feet and love him a little while me tell you let, let, let me talk to you a minute I, I, you know you're going to come back here on sunday and the folks that are here tonight you're going to have something good something good is going to be placed in your spirit something out of the ordinary you're not going to you're going to see things you're not going to smell things you're not going to hear things the way you normally did some of you are right on the, the edge of it anyway but you're going to cross on over and everything's going to be different you're going to walk down here and you're going to begin to praise and worship god you're going to see the angels of the lord as they stand on the primers i've seen these angels I know where they stand. I know the church is a type of the Ark of the Covenant. They stand in every corner. I've seen them, but some of you are going to have your eyes open to where you can also see the same thing. And when you begin to do that, you're going to know that nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible with God, not just for somebody else, but God can do it for you as well. Oh, come on, someone needs to agree with me on that. Come on, someone needs to agree with me on that. My God... hallelujah God sends a revival the sleeping folk wake up the lukewarm fire the lukewarm fire up the dishonest straighten up the filthy clean up the disgruntled sweeten up the discouraged cheer up the depressed look up the estranged make up the gossipers shut up the dead beach pay up and the church members pray up The psalmist prayed, Will thou revive us? Wilt thou revive us? So who, to whom does the us refer? The world? No. The church? The non-believer? No. The believer? Our Lord said in 2 Chronicles 7, 48, "Of My people, which are called by my name. There are just two groups. Two groups of people. The Lord's people and the devil's people. There's no other in between. You're either gods, or you belong to the devil. There's no gray area when it comes to this. Absolutely not. You can't stand on the periphery and say, "Well, I'm just going to jump into the church when I hear the trumpet sound." Not going to work. It's not going to happen. So there's this those two groups, and and are you numbered? Let me ask you: Are you numbered among the Lord's people? Do you know that you're numbered among the Lord's people? Our Lord continued. He said, "If my people, which are called by my name, if you claim to be a Christian," then you're called by the name of the one you took from water baptism. Jesus' name. Therefore, the word us refers to the Christian, the people that are called by his name, the Jesus' name people. And sometimes the Lord has has a most difficult time getting his people, the Christians, right for revival. Jonah and the great revival in Nineveh, the greatest obstacle to that revival was the preacher, not the pagans you hearing me it was not the politicians or the prostitutes the gamblers or the graft-ridden police the bad businessmen or the corrupt citizens it was the pious preacher named jonah when jonah got right with god there was a country wide revival can it be that (laughs) that like that you like jonah are an obstacle to revival in your home your church or your city can it be me can it be any one of you you see, I think sometimes we need to take a real good, honest look, and it starts here on this pulpit. Is that what I want? You know, when we, we get everything else in front, soul winning, then we are wrong. And you don't know, you know, if you've been around me time, you know how I feel about this. If if we do not allow, if we if we take what God has given us, our talents, and we bury them in the ground, we're going to be cast down into outer darkness, where there's weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. That's going to hell. We have to make what we have. We have to make more out of it. That's what that's talking about. I have to take. God has invested His spirit in me. I should take my uh, of that. And the Bible says that you know we can lay hands on people and they're going to speak with new tongues. That's what I've always believed. That's the reason God has always dealt with me that way. I've always believed in my heart God told me that if I can lay hands on people, that what I've got in here will will get to them. I know that's the case. And it's always worked. And here just recently, it's not worked for me like it used to. So I begin to take good, hard looks at me. I'm talking about me now. And if those of you think, oh, that preacher does preach about himself. Well, I'm so bad. I've given you the bad part of me. Is that okay? see, I, I, I can't do this this way. I can't. If I can't see God doing what God wants to do in, in, in a church, then I'm, I'm in the wrong business. I'm going to go down here to Chevrolet and get me uh sell cars. You give me a job? Okay, okay. I'm going to go down and sell cars. You know, because... I can shine that car up, make it look good, and sell it, right? Doesn't matter if it runs right or not, but just make it look good, make it, you know, that gun. Maybe we need to polish up the church. I'm not talking about the walls. I'm talking about us. Maybe we need to polish us up a little bit. And let's just go a little bit further. Maybe I need to polish me up a little bit. Remember, one of the things that sticks with me the most, when I first started pastoring, as I said, I was I was a Merrill Cornwell fan. And he, I was always listening to his tapes, his home Bible study tapes. and He said in one of, one of it was a preaching tape, but he said, he said this, he said, if I'm not baptizing people who are not getting the Holy Ghost, he said, I start getting mad and kicking the Bible stand and doing all kinds of stuff. And he said, he said, then the people start getting busy. So maybe I need to kick the Bible stand. You know, because this is what we're about. I am so, I am so weary, and I'm not talking about any of our preachers here, but I just I hear it all the time. Preachers, all they worry about is how polished they can have a message, how good I, I want to preach like Lee Stone King or Arnold or or one of these others. You know what really matters is what's down here at the end of your message. What matters. And we get together, and I know the Bible says iron sharpeneth iron. I know. Folks, you know, you're not going to tell me a whole lot of scriptures I don't know about. I know that that's good and all of it, but, you know, what we need to do is take some of that iron and go out there and work on some of these people that don't know anything about it. Instead of getting together and talking about this message and that message, we need to be out there winning souls. All right, I'm just giving you my heart tonight. I'm giving you my heart. It's the, Lord's, it's the Lord's will to revive His people. What the Father is pleased in the sickness or sickliness of His child, lovingly and longingly, prayerfully and patiently, He desires health and happiness for His child. Just so the Lord is pained when there's no fervor for fellowship, no glow in giving and no passion in praying and no stirring in Scripture, reading and no warmth in witnessing in His children. If that's not there, then He's not happy. We're sick. We're sick. It's the Lord's will to renew And he wants to renew his presence Revival is an individual matter he deals with His people one at a time. That's why we hear Him saying in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand The Anybody who wants ever ask you the question of where are we now in the Bible? This is where we are. In Revelation 3.20, He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. It's true that we, we use this verse with the Lord at the, at the door of the unsaved, but this is also true of the Lord knocking at the door of the saved. That's knocking at the door of the saved as well. It's the Christian who hinders revival by keeping the Lord Jesus outside the church door. And there are some churches who have everything and everyone but the Lord. And and our Lord isn't waiting for a committee or the congregation to open the door. He's waiting for one Christian One person, one person can open the door and things can absolutely go haywire in this place. And I'm not talking about bad haywire, I'm talking about good haywire. I'm talking about when people, and we've had it here before when we were really where we used to be and we've had people stop by and pull in. I've had people that have talked to me later and said that they pulled in, uh, maybe we didn't have it quite together, but they pulled in to the parking lot and they wanted to come in, but they didn't quite get themselves to open the door and come in. Maybe if we'd been just a little bit hotter, if you would, just a little bit louder, if you would, just a little bit more fervent, if you would, then maybe they would have come in. But, you know, it makes me feel good that they pulled in the parking lot. You know, too many saints go up like rockets, come down like rocks. They're flashy but not faithful. They have pep but no power. There was a reservoir that supplied a community with water. It was fed by a mountain stream that flowed quietly on its way. One day, one of the walls of the reservoir collapsed and the water burst forth down the hillside. People who never went out of their way to see the stream came from near and far to see the powerful water. I want a picture of our churches. The Lord is at work. I like the trickle of water, but when revival comes, the trickle becomes a torrent. And it's sweeping uh, boughs and boulders before it and moves things out of its way. And you see, that's what we need. We want to get rid of the obstacles. We need to allow the Spirit of God to become a torrent. I want you to stand with me. Here's what the first thing we're going to do. We're going to do in this place. You're going to ask somebody next to you, and if you're to be you, go find somebody that you can get close to. And I want you to lay hands on each other. And I want you, and I'm not, I'm not going to get into anything specified, but I want you to pray for that person, that the, that the, that the 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 stream of water would become a torrent that would wash away all the obstacles to them getting free the way that they once were. And that's how I feel like saying this. That's how God's dealing with me. That you once was free. You once didn't have anything stopping you. And you could witness to everybody and everyone. And you never allowed anything to, in any way to hinder you. You are going to pray for them that that comes again. Would you begin to pray with me right now? Lord God. In the name of Jesus now lord let this trickle become a torrent god i pray every obstacle every hindrance god his body his health everything god would be removed he is going to be the man for this church and when he does god you have got to move through him in a greater way than I've, you've ever done through me god you've going to because he's able he's willing he wants it let it happen now god Hallelujah! 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 Been so faithful in the past, some people that have been great soul winners. But Lord, their bodies have begun to wear. The enemy has spoke to them and told them that they're not, no longer going to be able to do what they once did. But now, in Jesus' name, you're going to revitalize them. You're going to, to the Holy Ghost, you're going to inject something new into their spirit. They're going to live, God, through your power and your strength. They're going to feel better, even, Lord, this night. And they're going to wake up in the morning with more strength and more spiritual fervor than they've ever had in the past. In the name of Jesus, this is to be so. This is to be so. This is to be so. There's going to be good news come for some of these people. People that have been hurting financially, they have given. They've done the best they can. And they begin to question whether you were going to bless them or not. But Lord, here this coming week and these next two days, Lord, before Sunday service, Lord, there are going to be good news that comes to them. Jobs are going to become available. Better pay is going to come available. This is your will. This is your purpose. This is what you're doing right now. Oh. Some of you feel like you're all washed out. Washed up. No longer able. But you're that's a lie from the enemy. And I take authority over that lie in Jesus' name right now. I take authority over that. If this demon comes at you and tries to perpetuate that lie once again, he's going to be thrown into the pit before his time. In Jesus name, in Jesus name. Satoro Chitale Somebody in here is worried about how they will be viewed. You've never really truly been a witness to anybody. You're you're fairly new. You're not really sure how to go about this without looking like you're trying to shove something down someone's throat, but God's going to open the door for you. Some of the prayer and the fasting we've done through the RBD is so that opportunities will present themselves. And opportunities have already presented themselves a few times, but it's going to be more so now. There's going to be some people who've never had that opportunity that someone's going to be parked, camped right in front of them and ask, What this is all about. Brother Manley talked to me about someone he's, uh, uh, State Police that he's been riding with and began to ask him what apostolic was. Those are the opportunities that's going to present themselves to more and more people. It's not just a matter of you telling them, they're going to ask. They're going to want to know. They're going to know. They're going to know and you're going to give them the truth and the truth can and will set them free. Believe it. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Anybody want to give me a witness to what I just said? Give me a witness. All right. Mouth of two, three witnesses, let every word be established. And we're believing it now. In Jesus' name. You can go home if you want to. If you want to pray, pray. I'm just going to lay this down because I'm done. Nothing worse than belaboring a point when you're done. God bless you.